If I asked you to explain glaucoma, you'd probably tell me two things. You know that one, it's an eye condition, and two, that it mainly affects the elderly. But there's so much more to learn about the condition, which is why it's called the silent thief of eyesight. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Maureen Wamboe, who is a millennial living with glaucoma. I am your host, Wamboe K. And on the Unseen Life Experience podcast, we share the untold stories of Africans living with or affected by disability. Hi, Maureen. Hi, Wamboe. How are you? I'm good, and you? I'm good. Thank you for coming onto the podcast today. Oh, we are most welcome. Thank you also for the accepting my invitation. <laughs> and this is the first time you're also sharing your story, right? This is the first time I'm doing it publicly, uh, especially on video. I did it once on LinkedIn. And yeah, very slightly scared. This is my first time also on an interview. Yeah. <laughs> oh, on this other side, yes. But thank you so much for coming on. And let's get right into it. Yes. Uh, what is glaucoma? Uh, so glaucoma is an eye condition that affects the eyes, yeah. And uh, what why they call it the silent killer is because of the fa- how you lose it. You lose it from your peripherals, as a, and then eventually, if it goes untreated, you just end up being blind. And what causes it? Is it genetics? Is it so people? Every person is different. Uh, I'll speak about myself. Uh, for me, apparently, it's supposed to be genetic. Uh, we have not drawn to who I inherited it from uh, because everyone, after now eventually being diagnosed and being treated, people went for testing, my uncles, my mom, my sister, my cousins, and no one has it, even my dad, no one has it. We, have, we don't know. Uh, where I got it from because I'm not old because people think it's because you're old I don't have diabetes so yeah it's mine is genetic and how old were you when you were diagnosed or when you started realizing that there was something a bit off so when I was in primary uh, in class four and uh, we used to play the game where you stretch your hands and then yeah during PE time and then I realized I couldn't see on my left side I couldn't see my fingers so I remember I went home crying and told my dad I think I'm blind and then my dad laughed because you know I was a kid you don't you don't think a kid can knows what they're saying so it went unnoticed and then now eventually I'm very grateful my mom my mom pushed completely so uh, when I went finally to see a doctor I was taken to Kikuyu and uh sorry am i allowed to name the hospitals yeah yeah yeah. oh okay yeah so i was taken to kikuyu and uh why it was the slightly scary for me was the fact that i was being moved from one doctor to another like person comes in looks at my eyes and be like huh i'll send you to somebody in the same hospital so yes until i met the biggest doctor there who looked at my eyes and then looked at me and like then i told my mom yeah she is sick. She actually, yeah, the condition is called glaucoma. But it went untreated even after it was diagnosed. After it was, yeah, like I, I got treated when I was in form two. That was when finally I went to see a specialist before just seeing any regular doctor, not being given any medication. So my eyes just continued deteriorating. Yeah, only, the only thing I was given was spectacles and that's it, glasses. Yeah. And what was the eye test like? 
So basically, there are different. There's a test called visual fields that you do, which now, which even in Kikuyu, they kept on just giving it to me. I kept on going for visual fields, but nothing else. So basically, you stare at a small hole. You know when you go to check a skin analysis that. Um, I think you can show the way it looks, the machine itself, so that people, somebody can understand. But it's a sm- it has a small hole in it, and then a button that you're given, so you keep on pressing it when you see a dot. So that checks how far your vision is, like, uh, yes, the 360, like, where exactly has it affected? Like, for me, my left eye is the bottom left, that is pitch black, and the top left is slightly, but not that bad. But it's, yeah, it's uh, at the moment we're standing at around 53. If I'm not wrong, I have to check my visual fields again. But yeah, but my right eye is at 93. Uh, yeah. This is percent? Yes, of... the percentage of vision I can see. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So in form two is when um, you got the, you got active treatment yes yeah, so when uh when now uh, it continued just every single time I, I keep on complaining there's something wrong i'm losing my sight and my mom finally there's a doctor they found from lions so i went to lions when i was sent to lions i saw a doctor there and they did the test they confirmed because they also had to confirm so they did the visual field they did the there's another test where they inject you to see your nerves uh, the behind uh, from the the back of your eyes so they also did that they checked your pressure because glaucoma is affected by pressure so too much pressure makes you go blind basically like high blood pressure or too low the same way so I they gave me a medication and they sent me home so go went home went back to school like everything is fine when my medication uh, got done I Stopped. I didn't know I was supposed to buy because they didn't mention it. And then one day I was in class. Uh, it was I remember it was an English class, and then I just could not see. It was pitch black. And then I started crying. Uh, sent to the principal. My mom, my dad, and my mom were called. So that now then is when I was sent to another specialist who I'm forever grateful for, and that's Doctor Danki Age. Uh, from now he has his own hospital, but uh, then he was a doctor at Taga Khan. So went to see him. Uh, he was so mad, I remember, because of they didn't tell me all this that because uh, now that meant my pressure came back three times more than it was before. So I had to go for an, an emergency surgery for my left eye first. So immediately they planned. I got. I went in for my uh, for my surgery. Uh, and then, the, so the surgery is to lower your pressure so that you can be able to see better or just to retain what the, the vision that you have because there's no treatment, you can't go back. It's just management. So it's just to lower the pressure. So that's what he did on my left eye. Then when I was in form three, uh, they did for my right eye. Yes. But I, I keep on saying if it was not for him, I would be blind now. So what was your surgery like? Like... How are you operated? Where are you operated from? Do you have any scars that we can see? So, yes, uh, it's inside my eye. Like, we have to remove my specs and then to open my eyelids so it's for you to be able to see. But the way it was done, uh, it, it don't have a full cornea. So it's, uh, it's slightly curved 
on it and because of that i can't wear contacts because the moment i wear them somebody can think i'm crying like it looks saggy it just looks weird so yeah I just i can't wear contacts and do your eyes experience any extreme sensitivity yes i can't do lashes the people like lashes i have to be very cautious when i am doing makeup especially eye makeup uh because if anything goes inside that i get irritated like it turns red yeah like i remember a friend of mine did for me the fake lashes the single ones and it was horrible it was painful my eyes were red yeah i remember my dad was so mad at me yeah but it it looked cute when it lasted but no <laughs> like i just can't okay. and can you go like for an event where there are a lot of strobe lights would those affect you uh i've never experienced it affect the aftermath because i've gone to several events and they had a lot of light on it but you never know so i don't know at the moment it does not affected me what i've seen what really annoys my annoys me personally and also irritates my eyes is the flashlights at the at every stop the cameras that were in yes yeah those are pretty bright very and then they flicker and i always make a joke if somebody has epilepsy that that is a trigger for them yeah but i really don't just don't like them it makes it at at some point like my eyes just go a bit dark then come back to normal but yeah so when you were first given medication yeah. what what type of medication was that it's just eye drops oh. it's just eye drops to reduce your pressure but i was not told okay. that you know the way you have when when somebody has um high blood pressure when you're when is the moment you start that medication you do it for the rest of your life i was not told that so when it, when it got finished when i was still in school i didn't call for it to be refilled i just stopped using it because i didn't know that i'm supposed to use it for the rest of my life but yeah and how many surgeries have you had so far i uh, just two one for my left eye and one for my right eye both to reduce the pressure yeah both to reduce the pressure and other medications hard to get are they very expensive are the eye tests very expensive what do the cost implications look like it is and uh, i keep i love sometimes when i tell when every single time i tell god i want to be the one percent in the money side <laughs> it's like it gives me diseases that <laughs> makes it like i'm now the one percent in diseases like i have in my family i'm the one who has glaucoma i have adhd i have asthma i was a very sickly child so i was a, i'm a very expensive human <laughs> but what i and i wish the government could do more is make the treatment more affordable to people because first of all going to see a specialist it's 5000 bob to just see her yeah and then you have to do your visual fills which can cost about 25 to 15k depending and then this is just the tests and then maybe another test that maybe you need to do the like the one for the uh injection which is i think around i can't remember because it's a while back but maybe around it was around maybe 25 to 50k and you have not even factored in the fact that you need specs yeah and the lenses are not cheap the frames are not cheap so it's a it's an expensive disease and you know you don't choose to have it but it's expensive to maintain it yeah and you got properly diagnosed when you were in form 2 yeah. what was school like for you then so i let's go back to my primary 
I kids can be hurtful. Kids can say maybe things that they don't know what they're saying it can can hurt somebody, but kids can be very hurtful and my primary I don't talk to people from who I went to school with in primary school. I think only speak to two now. Um yeah. Because I was apart from just having glaucoma I was a very sickly child. Yeah, and I was always in and out of hospital, in and out of hospital. And uh, what they say, they used to say about me till today is what I'm discussing with my therapist about. So yeah, it was it was hurtful. Then also going to high school cuz I had one of the disease, you know the diseases that the doctor tells you she'll grow out of it. Yeah. So that meant even in high school still being very a sickly child that means I couldn't even do like chores that you are assigned to. So I was on a special diet. So people use that and feel like unajifanya, you know, the way Kenyans just Yeah, it was, I I I, my high school was actually better because the teachers loved me and they really took care of me. But my my classmates and people in school, some of them, not all of them, high school was better because now I even have friends that I talk to until now. But some people are just still hurtful, yeah, because somebody might feel that I'm being treated differently. Why? But they don't sit down and ask. So why, yeah, you're sick, so how can we help you, yeah. Would you say you had seen or felt any symptoms? No, because uh, the reason why they call it the silent killer is because you don't feel anything. If if during that time in school, I was we didn't do that activity for stretching my hands, I would have not known. One day I would have just woken up and I can't see. Because you don't see, there's no pain. Yeah, there's nothing, like, you don't feel anything. You just, your eyes are just going. Yeah. You just wake up one day literally yeah. and your eyesight yeah. is gone or different. Or different. And it's something that I used to love with with my doctor. And because, you know, people in the village don't know about glaucoma. People, most people know about cataract, but people don't know about glaucoma. So people, somebody can just go blind and then they'll start saying it's witchcraft. And it was glaucoma. Yeah. It's just not dictated. Because people don't do this. When you go even to see opticians, people don't check. Yeah. You just go and pick your spectacles and you move on with life. You don't go and see an ophthalmologist. Yeah. So is what would you advise people? Would you just advise everyone to go get checked? Yes. My advice is even when you just... Because, okay, glaucoma has yearly they do free testing. I don't know if this still happens, but previously it was happening at uh, Aga Khan. We just go screen, free screening. You go check, they can check your eyes. It's important because you never know, especially guys who just go and buy specs yeah, from an optician. Most of those uh, optical shops actually have um, optologists and ophthalmologists in 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 house just ask to see them pay a bit or i think it's like 2000 i don't know but just pay and go and see them let them check your eyes it might not be black or it might, it might have something else that you don't know yeah and you're just treating your lens because what the specs is just your lens that you're treating you don't know what's happening in the back of your eyes yeah 
So now that you know you have it, mm-hmm. do you still go for tests to see the percentage uh, of your eyesight, like yearly? I do. See, I used to do six months. Nowadays, I do yearly check. Uh, it's a must. I have to. Even though nowadays I, I make a joke, it's like I'm just spending money to be told I'm okay, which is a good thing, a good problem to have. But yes, I have to go yearly. Yes. And how does it affect your work? So I... In high school, <laughs> my KCSE paper used to be, it was big, it was like a New, uh, New York Times. And I keep on, I laughed till today because it was like my parents were like, if you fail, there's no excuse. <laughs> we did everything. But now, now to my current life, I, when I stare too long on a screen, I start feeling a bit tired. My I can't stay on a screen and read a book because my the it will be gibberish on my on on the paper. Uh, the other thing is I prefer books, printed out books. I can't read on a on a screen. Yeah. So even as much as Planet Earth needs my help on that, I can't. I I've tried it, but just it's not it's not for me. Yeah. It's just painfully. Yeah, to to read on on a screen. Yeah. And since this was diagnosed while you were much younger, how would you say it's influenced you as a person and the, your your day to day, everything you do? Uh, for me, it is it made me understand that I'm not crazy. Yeah, and to understand there's a reason as to why this is happening. Yeah. And uh, it's the same way when people, like I have ADHD, yeah. And looking back, now I can understand why I was doing those things the way I did in school. Yeah, why am I creative? Why is my brain working? Because now there is an answer. It doesn't, I don't feel overwhelmed with so many questions that I, I can go unanswered. So yes, I am very, for me, it's, I'm just grateful that I know what's wrong. Yeah. yeah. So do you have bad days with the condition? At the moment, because it's managed, no, just the reading that I just can't do. Okay. But the only thing that I've, I've just, I realized is my eyes get tired and I know it gets tired because I'm always on my screen. Yeah. So what are some misconceptions about glaucoma? Uh, that it from what I've realized and what I've seen is it's that it's not a disability, but it is. Yeah, it is. And what I hope the government does is make it open a foundation for it or an advocacy for people to just awareness is important. It is a disability. Also that it only affects people over 45. That's not true. I was very young when I got it. Or you can you can get it yes when you have when you have diabetes, but it's not the only way you can get it. And then of course that because if somebody in your family doesn't have it, you, you, you can't have it. None in my family has it, but it's supposed to be genetic cuz that's why I have it. But no one, we can't trace where I got it from. So, yeah, you can just have it even though no one else in your family has it. Maybe you are the first in 
maybe the previous generation or yeah to have it and are there any communities that you found for people living with it uh, maybe locally support groups etc no and uh, that's something that i hope one day that it can be created but at the moment i have not found any community that you can go and just talk to each other so that you don't feel uh you're alone and uh yeah but also what what i've decided what i've decided to do if not it's of course like now creating awareness about it i've tried to talk i've emailed different organizations that deal with the uh, for the blind to just i can if i can be part of them to be an advocate for it and uh, and i'm all i'm just doing is offering my time i don't want money for about from it i just want people to know more about it yeah and uh, so what nowadays i do is i listen to people from outside who have it like andrea bocelli has it that's why he's blind it, he has glaucoma and when i was young I'm st- i still have those fears i used to be so scared that one day i'll get i'll go blind even till today i still keep on asking my even when it's uh, on the test when it drops by 1% i keep on asking my doctor so does, does this mean it's yeah, my my eyes are at this it's like is it happening and she's like no no it's just an error 1% is just an error you're fine your pressures are okay Yes. So I used to get so scared, but now listening and I've been and I love Andrea. So listening to him, watching his life and I'm like it's okay. If it ever happens, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. But for now, it has not happened, so I'm living with it now. Now I'm okay. Yes. Now it's managed. Yes. Who are some other public figures that you follow their journey with glaucoma? At the moment only about Andrea. Oh. Yeah. So is it a very rare condition? I don't think it's as rare as people wa- make it to look like. It's just that people are silent about it. Yeah. People are quiet. It's the same way people are quiet about mental health, especially in Africa. You you were born never to talk about some things. Yeah. So Yeah, it's just that people are just quiet. It's not that it's so rare. I think when people start talking about it, you might I'll be even for me I'll be shocked of how many people will have it. Yeah. I think you shouldn't stop talking about it and also sounds to me like maybe you should create a community. I that is a lot of pressure because <laughs> how am I going to find these people <laughs> and people are not talking you see that's different yeah. if people are talking about it and are willing to open up about it I have no problem in spearheading one yeah maybe you'll start one and then you'll see people coming up and starting to say okay I actually have it mm. but I, I find that sometimes you need to be the first one to say it and then people will reach out mm. yeah yeah I think actually I'll have a, I can have a conversation with my doctor Dr. Sheila Marco and see what what we can do about it. Going back to your story and how you went to your dad and told him that you thought you were blind. Did you feel listened to and what would you tell parents about how they should relate to their children once their children feel that something is wrong with them? I of course I didn't because <laughs> because my my dad thought it was a joke. Yeah, and even think the way I said it. I don't blame him at all. 
But what I think parents and kids, parents should do about kids when they come and tell them there's something wrong with them, I feel like they should listen, find out more about what exactly they're trying to tell them instead of dismissing it. Yeah, that is what I can advise parents to do. But what I'm also seeing right now with my generation, the millennial raising kids, they are very conscious about kids and to know what exactly is wrong with them and to and they listen so uh, there's a shift in parenting which is a good thing any last words maureen yeah i will this they i was listening to a podcast and it's by jules and um, sharon and then uh they had quambox on it and then there's a blind guy who was part of the podcast and there's something that they mentioned that I really loved. They said, um, okay, he said, actually, he said, he was talking about the fact that in restaurants, the way we don't have accessibility for different things, people with wheelchair, the blind, a blind person going for a meal because it's not in Braille. And it's a project that he started for making menus, in turning menus also into Braille so that people feel inclusive included in an inclusivity in things and i feel it's something that all of us should do as a country individually just inclusivity for people who have disability so that they don't feel different yeah and that is exactly why we started this podcast <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah. these stories really need to be shared and yeah heard. yeah 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 so that and uh, they are also because tribe also took up that project and they have a menu in braille it's amazing i know i actually even teared when i was listening to that podcast like, oh my god this is amazing <laughs> i wish all of us can be like this i really need to find that episode yeah i'll share it with you awesome. i will i will, right, I will. Right. it was amazing yeah he called himself the mvp the mvp mvp okay visually impaired oh <laughs> i know it, I, it, it was amazing. That's a good way of calling yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maureen, for coming to the podcast. And I hope after this episode, you will realize that you're not alone. And I hope other people will also speak up about their condition. Thank you for having me. And yes, I'm hoping people, so people to speak up about different conditions that they have. Because it will help somebody realize that you're not alone in this journey. Yeah, like I was also listening to your previous podcast about the biker and I didn't know there was something like that <laughs> before. So, yeah. We have now come to the end of this podcast. You can find the visuals on YouTube and the audio wherever you listen to your podcast from. Please follow and subscribe and listen to all the other episodes. This is the, currently the fourth episode and we have some amazing stories. Bye. <laughs> Disclaimer. The content provided in this episode of the Unseen Life Experience podcast is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the podcast, its host, or any affiliated parties.